0: And I echo, I thank you, Uh, many of you who served that day uh, to help make that possible, many who served for months ahead of time in order for all of that to come together. Um, I think the same thing could be said while I was gone. I saw several pictures of the clothes closet that took place uh, here, Uh, people coming in and being able to get clothes. That was a mountain of clothes. And the people who, who served to be able to, to organize and distribute all that. Um, it's also the case that right now we've got a lot of folks who are serving, by, uh, serving meals in the community um, every week, being able to uh, cook the food and, and serve those meals. Uh, some of you serve every week at a particular campus, some of you serve uh, every week by maybe leading a life team. Today, I have what I really think is some encouraging, some really good stuff for those of you who have a heart to serve. What you have with Jesus is real. And as a result, you love to serve him and you love to serve other people. Well, today's story from Luke chapter 10, I believe is a gift to you. I want to say welcome, welcome to everybody who's at our campuses today, so grateful that you're here. Welcome to all of those who are joining us online. We thank you for taking the time to be with us today. It's good to be back. It is. It was good to be able to be away for a little bit and just catch our breath and do something a little different, but it's good to be back with you. I I want to thank Matt. Uh, for delivering God's word on one of those Sundays while I was gone. I I cannot describe to you the joy in my heart when I watch just how much he grows and how much better he gets every time he gets to do that. So cool. And I'm grateful to Peter um, for filling in last week. Uh, There's no way for me to describe to you uh, how that guy blesses my life on a regular basis. I thank those guys for delivering God's word while we were gone. Let's dig in. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is where we're going to pick it up. Here's what the scripture says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now from the other places in scripture, we know where Martha lives. The village is called Bethany. It's about one and a half miles to the east of Jerusalem. This is the place where this act of hospitality is extended to Jesus. Now what we know when we read the New Testament is that this Bethany, this village of Bethany, and particularly this home of Martha's, this is a place where Jesus goes to breathe. This is one of those places that in the middle of his crazy schedule, and come on, every once in a while when when we're talking and I'm teaching you, I will just like walk through one of Jesus' days and how many people he interacts with, how many people he helps and serves. Well, this is one of those places where Jesus at times will go and he can rest a little bit. It's Martha's home. We're told very clearly she opens her home to him, but she's not the only one in the house because, again, when we read the Scripture, we know that she has a sister named Mary and then a brother who is Lazarus, right? You remember the story, Lazarus dies, Jesus brings him back to life. That that is who we're talking about here. And the Bible leaves no question as to how close... This family is with Jesus. In fact, it tells us in John chapter 11, verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, to be put into Scripture is like Jesus loved them. I mean, let's just make sure everybody understands Jesus loves this family. It is important for us to understand at the beginning of this story, because if we don't understand it now, I think we'll tend to question it. Martha loves Jesus, okay? Martha loves Jesus. The reason she opens her home is because she loves Jesus. The the reason that she is extending hospitality to him is because she loves Jesus. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 39. She, that's Martha, had a sister called Mary who, look at this phrase, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That little phrase, sat at the Lord's feet, is an enormous cultural statement. Because you see, in that day, to sit at the feet of a teacher, to sit at the feet of what they would call a a rabbi, that was something that was reserved only for disciples, and in that day, disciples were always only male, This little term, to sit at his feet, is the very same term that the Apostle Paul uses in the book of Acts when Paul says that he sat at the feet learning from Gamaliel. Same exact term. I'm telling you that it is most likely that if Mary, a woman, chose to sit at the feet of any other rabbi, if she chose to sit at the feet of of any other teacher, it is likely that she would have been shamed and mocked out of the room. Jesus not only allows her to be there, but we're going to see in this story, he wants her to be there and even defends her when someone else suggests maybe she should be elsewhere. Ladies, it is is just one of those things that I ask, when you read stories like this in the Bible, do you understand how valuable you are to Jesus? And sometimes in a world where it feels like everybody's trying to fight for value, you don't have to fight for value. He wants everybody to know they are welcome at his feet. Something that I realized when I was studying this story this time, and I'm going to be honest and tell you, I I never realized this before. Some of you may already know this. There are um, six, I think, different Marys in the New Testament, but this Mary The the sister of Martha is mentioned three times. This family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, three times we see them in the text. And every time we see this Mary encounter Jesus, there is something common that we read about her. For example, let me show you another instance. It's when Lazarus dies. Remember, the word is Lazarus is sick. The word gets to Jesus, but Jesus delays in coming to them. He delays so long that Lazarus dies. He's been dead four days by the time Jesus gets there. Here's what it says in John chapter 11, verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell where at his feet now where was she at luke chapter 10 at his feet where is she in john chapter 11 at his feet she fell at his feet and said lord if you had been here my brother would not have died ooh that's a big statement that's a big statement to make is it true yeah, in the sense of what she's saying is, Jesus, I, I know the power that you hold. I know, right, who you are and what you can do. And of course, Jesus, Jesus in a matter of moments, was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, a, a miracle just almost too, too big for us to, to even start to comprehend. But my question is, how does Mary know that about Jesus? It's what you learn. At his feet. Like how does she know he's that big? How does she know he's, he's that powerful? It, it's, it's what you learn. At his feet. And every time you see Mary, this Mary, with Jesus, that's exactly where you will find her. This is why... I am constantly encouraging you to make this a priority of your life, sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is why this priority of of recognizing your need to let him lead, right? Our need to hear his voice, our need to, to be with him, to hear from him, to know him better. This is why we are always challenging you to see this as a priority in your life. This is Mary. And I'm telling you today, it can be you. Let's return to our story. Mary's at Jesus' feet, but where's Martha? Verse. 40 of Luke chapter 10. But Martha was distracted. That's our word. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. The word distracted means to pull away from. That's what it means. It means to suddenly be pulled off track. But wait a minute. What is Martha doing? She's making preparations for who? For Jesus, right? She's making sure, she's hosting Jesus. She wants to make sure that that everything is provided for him. She wants to make sure that the meal is there and that it's good. She wants to make sure that the home is comfortable. She's making preparation for him. Here's what I want you to see. Martha's not in the next room doing something sinful, right? Right? She's not in in the next room doing something, right, that that is unrighteous. But she's distracted. She's distracted by what? She's distracted by her to-do list for Jesus. But she's distracted from what? Jesus. I, I hope that you realize Jesus would always rather you be with him than that you do something for him. Now, I'm not saying those can't exist at the same time, but I'm saying he would always rather you be with him than to just simply do something for him. So what are the distractions that pull you away from Jesus? And I realize that when I ask that question for myself and maybe ask that for you, there are some things that could be sinful that distract us from him. We know that. When, when we make decisions that are opposed to his heart, when, when we allow our heart to go directions that we, we know he says is wrong, that, that gets us off track. But sometimes it's, it's not evil things. Sometimes it, it's not sinful things. So I thought there should be a part of the, time together today where I should do my best to make you jealous. You need to work on jealousy every once in a while. So I, I thought that I would just spend a few minutes kind of making you jealous of some things that I have seen since I last saw you, all right? Deal? So a lot of people are like, I don't think you really went on a trip anyway. Yeah, yeah I did. So here, here's, here's, here's my proof. Here's one. Check that out. That is just one of the waterfalls um, in Yellowstone, just one. It was actually the small waterfall in Yellowstone. But how, how beautiful is that, right? Or how about this one? That, that is Dead Horse um, State Park um, in, in Utah. How, how cool is that? I, I mean, it is, I've never seen the Grand Canyon yet, but I can't imagine just the bigness of of that. It it is absolutely amazing, and I got one more for you. Check that out. This, This is called the delicate arch, right? And if our faces are a little bit red, it's because it's about a mile and a half up the mountain, all right? Now, I don't have a problem with a mile and a half, but a mile and a half up the mountain at an elevation is a whole different story. But we made it. And, and that is called the Delicate Arch in, in Arches uh, National uh, Park. And just we're there to see the, the sunset and, and just absolutely incredible. Now, there are some common denominators in all those photos. The common denominator, one, is that some good friends knew where to take us to be able to see those things and there is just a part of being with people where you can just be yourself and friendships and um, that is just a part that makes me breathe. It's also, second, just beautiful. I mean, there's just part of that, you just look at it and you're just reminded of how big God is and what, how creative he is and all those, no matter where you go and where you drive, it's just absolutely beautiful. But there is a third factor that I did not take into account as to why this would be so good for me to breathe. In all three of those places, this was only good as a clock and a camera, because it didn't work as a phone in any of those places. And there certainly wasn't any Wi-Fi in any of those places. I mean, there, there wasn't even a half a bar of service. It just was nothing. At one of the campsites that we stayed at for four or five days, there was nothing. And so for periods of time while I was gone, there like wasn't even an option for emails or text or social media or news or any of the chaos. If I said right now, hey, everybody in the room and everybody watching online, would you turn off your phone? Turn it off. I imagine, because I would, there would be a little bit of tension that started to swirl because we would all think of the reasons why, well, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. And we got some people who are medical personnel, we really do. There are some folks that they have to be on call all the time, but the rest of us think we're on call all the time, right? And, and well, I can't turn it off because how am I going to take notes, right? Well, there ain't a whole lot of y'all taking notes right now, just, I'm just saying. But uh, hey, if, if, if I don't have my phone, how am I going to take notes and how, how am I going to follow along? And we come up with all these reasons why we can't. Here's, here's, here's what I'm learning, there are periods of time where we have got to learn to turn this off. And believe me, the world will go on without you. Now, I'm not saying I had it off the whole entire time we were gone. We had kids at home and we needed to check and how we doing and I'm not saying it was off the whole, I'm saying just for periods of time even, just for blocks of time we got to learn to turn it off because this is one of the things that I'm telling you in and of itself is not bad. Uh, to be able to communicate is a good thing until it begins to inch us away from a focus on Jesus to be able to sit at his feet. For Mary, there was nothing wrong with her making preparations for Jesus, certainly nothing wrong with her opening her home, nothing wrong with preparing a meal, nothing wrong with making it comfortable until it begins to inch you away from a focus on Jesus. I'm telling you, this is so good for those of you who have a passion to serve. You love Jesus and you know this is serving is a part of the evidence that you really belong to Him. It is. There's too many places in Scripture that says if you belong to Jesus, you're gonna serve other people, you're gonna, you're gonna serve Him. But this is what happens when we start to lose sight of Him in the middle of our serving. Watch what happens. Verse 40 She, Martha, came to Him, Jesus. And ask, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She, she's left me to do the work by myself. Now, I try to imagine what this was like. I, I don't know that Martha immediately would have gone to Jesus. Like, I, I imagine Martha is in that kitchen. She's working. She's preparing some food. And she's... she's looking around the corner and there is Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, right, and, and she's inching around, she's trying to get eye contact with Mary and Mary won't look at her, Mary won't look at her because Mary's looking at Jesus. Jesus. And Martha keeps edging around, right? And in a minute, I imagine some pots and pans start to clang a little bit louder than they maybe normally would, right? And in a minute, whoops, something falls off the, off the counter and it hits the floor and it's a loud clash. And everybody, Mary says, Martha, you, you okay in there? And Martha's like, yeah, I'm all right, but there's just so much that needs to be done. Mary's like, okay. She stays at Jesus' feet. I wonder how many things Martha rolled through before she just finally, exasperated, right, comes to Jesus and says, she left me to do the work. Now come on, Martha looks like she is concerned with serving others. And I'm saying I think it started that way that day. I'm not questioning Martha's heart. I I think she opened her home because she loved Jesus. I think she's making preparations because she loved Jesus. There is this appearance that she is concerned with serving others, but something shifts during the day that now the concern seems to be about what other people think. Because, come on, she's trying to get the house in order. The house needs to be in order. We got company. Jesus Jesus is here. Things need to be orderly. We need to, to There needs to be a meal and it needs to be good. And all of a sudden, I think what could have started as a real concern for other people has now shifted to a concern of what other people think. And I'm telling you, when you begin to operate that way, you will start to wear yourself out. And when you get distracted from Jesus, even when you're serving, you will begin to blame other people for some of the problems that you begin to experience. Sometimes jealousy really does start to rise up. They're not helping like I'm helping. They're not serving like I'm serving. I'm giving all this time. And nobody else is given time like I'm given time. That's what starts to happen when you get distracted from the very reason that you serve. Come on, if you've ever, if you have served more than ten minutes in the church, you have probably experienced that somewhere along the way. You've either had someone say, "How come you're not like I am?" or you which I've done it. It's like, how come you're not doing what I'm doing? How come come you're not serving like I'm serving? It's what happens when we get distracted. And then sometimes, not only do we blame other people, but we will blame God. Look at that verse again. Uh, Lord, don't you care? (laughs) And then she starts telling him what to do. Tell her to help me. Most of us have a way of doing the same thing with God. Right, we're, we say we're serving Him, but in reality, that shift ca- takes place where it becomes more about us and how people perceive. And and all of a sudden, we start right questioning God. Sometimes I have discovered we are angry with God because of the the outcomes in our life. When the reality is that for for many of those instances, God wasn't even a part of the decision. What I mean by that is. We're angry at God for how something turned out when the reality is we never even asked him in the beginning. Sometimes God didn't tell you to date that person that broke your heart because you never asked him if you should be dating them or not. Sometimes we make purchases. Sometimes we take jobs. And the evaluating factor is just because it's more money. Sometimes we move, but we never consult God about any of that. And then like Martha, we start telling God what to do. God, why, why, why did you get me into this? God, you got to get me out of this. God, are you are going to keep me single forever? We start blaming God. It's time for Jesus to respond. What's this going to look like? verse 41. Martha, Martha. I love that. When you see a double name, often in Scripture, and Jesus will do this often, um, it it is, uh, in that day, it is an expression of endearment. Jesus is about to correct her, but I don't want you to see this. It's not a harsh correction. This is somebody who loves and is correcting in a way purely out of love. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You know why Martha's worried and upset? She thinks she can control it, and she can't. It's what we feel. It's what we feel sometimes when there's so much to be done and we think we can control it all and we can't. Can we just be honest and say it feels so counterintuitive to sit with Jesus when we are busy, right? I got 10 things to do and you're telling me to sit. And that seems so counterintuitive to us. And I think maybe that's why God God described, that's why he designed it that way. I mean, because is this not actually a picture of the gospel? It's like, how did you get made right with God? Was it your effort? No, it was his. Well, how is it that we serve? How is it that we do what we do for him? Is it our effort? No, it's his. And I think that's the way he designed it, that when we have the most to be done ought to be a signal to us that is when we most need to be still at his You're worried and upset about many things. A few things are needed, or indeed only one. That's a phrase. That's just a phrasing in that day that just means there's really just one thing. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken away from her. What what she sitting at the feet of Jesus is the best thing. I don't care I don't care what you put up beside it. Nothing greater. And it is eternal. What happens there, what he changes in you, what he shows you about himself, what he does with your heart and your faith and in turn your life, it is eternal. The lesson The big lesson I think that we learn from this most remarkable story, worship drives serving. Worship must always drive serving. Now, serving is powerful. Jesus teaches us those lessons. But if worship doesn't drive our serving, we will soon jump off track. Now, when I say worship, I'm not talking about just singing songs when we gather in the room. When I'm talking worship, what is it here for Mary? It is to, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to, to focus our attention on him, to listen, to hear his voice, to be taught by him, to see who he is. That is actually what worship is. It is so much bigger than, than just these moments that we come together. It is personal, intentional, at the feet of Jesus' time that leads you to be at his feet all the time. And it's why we're always pushing you. Hey, make sure you fight for times to pray. Just you and him. You can pray all day long, but moments when it's just you at his feet. This is why we always push you to fight for those times that you can be in your Bible, be in your Bible, be at his feet. Somebody will say, well, I don't read that well. Jeff, reading this whole thing through the Bible, I don't read that well. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I'm telling you, you can see it as a blessing Because if you don't read that well, it might mean that you have to read a little slower. Or it might mean that you have to read it again. And see, in our busyness of schedule, we think that time and efficiency and the faster I read it and the faster I comprehend it, then the better it is. But if what we're saying is it takes you a little longer to sit at the feet of Jesus because you got to read it a couple of times, because you got to process a little longer, I'm telling you, in eternal perspective, reading a little slower might be one of the better blessings. It's why we're always pushing you. Take those steps. While I was gone, I'm a part of what we got to see in that beautiful territory was some animals, which I'm just all about. I, I love outside and I love the animals. And, and we saw bears And we saw moose and elk and, you know, mule deer and, um, but my favorite thing, wolves. I saw wolves for the first time in the wild. And these particular wolves were black. It was the coolest thing. Apparently, they're all part of the gray wolf family, but genetic, you know, that they're just black as black could be. It was absolutely beautiful. As I'm I'm observing these animals over those days, I was reminded of what C.S. Lewis once said. He said, when we get up in the morning, we are charged by wild animals. That's what he said. And what he what he meant was he's saying look I, he said we wake up and it's immediately oh, oh I oh, I got to get this done and oh this needs to come together and how am I going to bring this about and he said when you wake up in the morning you are charged by wild animals He said but you got to learn how to push those animals back And he said the way that you do that is to learn to let the Spirit of God empower you to recognize priorities in the schedule of that day. What really matters and what doesn't? And what can you actually act upon and what can you not? He said it is to set the highest priority What what I encourage you to see is you don't have to stop serving to sit at the feet of Jesus. You don't. You don't have to stop serving to make sure that your attention is focused on him. Now, if you don't sit at the feet of Jesus somewhere along the way in your serving, you're going to get off track. But once you are learning to sit at his feet, then then you learn how to serve. And in that serving, even when things don't go perfectly and even when everybody else is doing something that you think they ought to be doing something different, you, you will keep it in perspective Sitting at his feet will enable you to continue to serve probably more than you ever have before. Let me show you one more text, and then, and then we're going to wrap this. John, John chapter 12 is the third story where you see this family, and here's what it says. Six days before the Passover. Now, we are, we are almost to the crucifixion here, all right? Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Just a side note right? Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha, <laughs> what's she doing? Served. My point is, G- Jesus did not discourage her from doing what, what, she was, what she was equipped and good at doing. She's, she's still serving But what we're not hearing now is Jesus, will you tell everybody else right, how to do this right like I'm doing it right? You don't hear that from her anymore. It's as though she's learned what it is to to, to just focus on Jesus and to do what she's doing for those right reasons. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Jesus would go on to say, Mary's doing this, and it's connected to my burial, How did Mary know how significant it was at this moment to to pour that on Jesus' feet that somehow it was connected to, how did she know? It's the stuff you learn to see when you're willing to sit. And I know, it feels so counterintuitive. I got 10 things to do today. I got 20 things to do today. Uh, All this needs to be, it needs to come together. This this needs to work out, and I need to make this many phone calls and need to respond to this many emails. It's the, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. I want you to read it one more time in verse 42. A few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. How do you spend time at the feet of Jesus? How do you do that? For me, I've already kind of given you hints. It's being outside. Um, nature works for me. I mean, certainly those kinds of settings but even just being in the woods for me, um, but honestly, even sitting outside on my front porch. If I, if I, out of the house, there's something about being outside and it just enables most of those distractions to go away where I can just focus on him. I'm asking, what is that for you? Because you need to know the answer to that. that. That should be an answer that you can just like, imme- you immediately know what is it that most works for you To be able to focus on Jesus, to be able to sit at His feet. Just a side note, we'll tackle it some other day. Chapter 10 of Luke ends with this story. Chapter 11 opens with Jesus in a place where He prays. That's interesting to me. Apparently, Jesus even has a place. He practices what he preaches. He spends time with his heavenly father. When you do, serving is filled with joy. There's a peace there where you don't have to be concerned about what everybody else is doing. But you just love. So, here's what we're going to do today. we go- we got a song that we want to sing here at the end, certainly connected to what we've just learned here today, but along with this song, I want to just walk you through something briefly, because I think it's crazy for us to talk about being at the feet of Jesus today and not be really intentional about maybe helping us spend a few minutes to do that, all right? So, here's what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm going to pray for us, just helping us to zero in on Him. Um, I'm going to just give you permission if you want to just stay seated. Uh, we're going to sing a verse of this song about a Jesus that is better, just to just to zero our heart and our head in on Him. So if you just want to stay seated, you can stay seated. We're going to sing a verse or so of this song, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to just walk us through something for a few minutes. That lets us be with him, all right? God, I thank you for a most remarkable story today. I thank you for, God, what I believe to be such words of encouragement for your people who, God, many of them uh, in this room, many who are at each of our campuses, many even who listen online right now, God, they serve. God, they have a heart to serve, and it's because they love you. And yet we all admit there are so many times it is really easy for us to get off track. It's really easy for us to get discouraged. It's it's really easy for us to become critical. God, I thank you for this gift today that gives us signs, signs for our heart that helps us recognize what's really going on. So God, now I'm asking that you would zero our heart in on yours. God, as we sing this song, God, the, the text, God, will you help us to not just believe with our head, but God, that with our lives, you will teach us to sit at your feet. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. There
1: is no So sure and steady My hope is held in your hand When castles cross
0: out and let's try to just focus on him and I'm not trying to be weird in this but it's, it's something that I have learned to do when I'm trying to push some things out sometimes I literally for a moment have to think about myself just breathe in breathe out so I'm going to encourage you to do that just close your eyes breath in breath out in Now, I want you to imagine that Jesus is right in front of you. Now, the truth is, he is. But I want you to imagine you can see him. Maybe he's close enough that he's got a hand on your shoulder. Maybe he's just sitting right in front of you and he's, he's looking you in the eye. And I want you to just take in this truth. He's there because he wants to be. He wants to be with you. I want you to see him. I want you to ask him to help you to recall maybe some of the last 24 hours of your life. To help you to remember, to think about it. And I want you to start by just telling him what you're grateful for in the last 24 hours. It could be all kinds of things. Maybe sleep that was good maybe a conversation with somebody maybe you heard a child laugh ask him and then tell him what you're grateful for tell him ask him this question Jesus where did I join you in the last 24 hours where did you join him maybe it was serving in some way maybe it was to open a door for someone maybe it was to spend some time with your family but where did you join him in doing what you knew he wanted you to do Ask him, where did you join him? Maybe it was a conversation that you knew you were supposed to have. Whatever it was, where did you miss it? And I don't want you to linger there. But when he brings them to your mind, you confess that to him. You receive his grace and you move on. you to ask him one more thing. I want you to ask him to help you realize your habits over the last 24 hours. What are the habits in your life, right? When you wake up in the morning, how you go about a day. And the question is, are those habits helping you to sit at his feet, Or are those habits hindering you? Ask him to show you. And ask him to help you to make a change. So now I want you to imagine he's still sitting right in front of you and ask him to help you today to live. That today you want to hear his voice. Today you want to follow his heart. Jesus thank you for the reality that you are with us. I thank you for your people that love you. I thank you for their heart to serve. God I ask today that a taste, a taste, a reminder of how sweet it is to be able to sit at your feet, the king of the universe. It is better. It is better than anything else that we could stack up beside it. So, God, will you help us today? God, those habits that needs to change, God, the, the technology maybe that needs to turn off at times, God, just the differences in how we need to go about things, will you help us to believe? Being with you is better, and nobody can take this away from us thank you for what you've shown us today thank you for your love in the name of Jesus together we pray amen and amen let's stand and let's finish singing this song together
1: there is no other so sure and steady. Held in your hand. When castles crumble and breath is bleeding, upon this rock I will stand. Yeah, upon this rock I will.